I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Top Cut Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast. Uh, my name is Giant Skyhawk, and Sonny is away for a week and a half. Uh, he's on vacation. He's gone on a cruise. Uh, so everyone say congratulations to Sonny. Uh, so this week, uh, I've got uh, another co-host on with me. Uh, th- they are a member of the, the Necrofusion Enthusiasts, <laughs> quite, the, quite, quite the labber and, uh, and, and theory crafter. I have uh, Roto. From from the Discord, say uh, say hello to the people, Roto. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. Okay, so to to start off, um, I, I first want to thank our sponsors. So a massive shout outs to um, Steel Fox Games and ETB Games. They are locals uh, down in uh, Sunny's neck of the woods. Uh, both fantastic shops. Uh, as well, uh, a massive shout-out to Gem Accessories. They make fantastic deck boxes and backpacks. Uh, and a huge shout-out to Dragon Shield as well. If you need custom size, uh, Japanese, uh, custom size, if you need custom art Japanese size sleeves, uh, those are now available at Dragon Shield. We've got an affiliate link in the description. Uh, and as all, uh, if actually, if, if you haven't seen on Twitter, uh, Sunny posted theirs. I might put them up in the screen here. Uh, they, uh, Sunny went with the normal summon, uh, Moe, uh, bottom text. So, uh, so those are very good. And then, uh, a massive shout out to all of our patrons as well. If you want to make us say very ridiculous things, uh, the link to the Patreon is in the description. Uh, and then you can make your name, whatever you, uh, you want us to read at the end of the episode. So with that, uh, <laughs> would you like to, would you like to introduce yourself to the people? Yeah, hi. Uh, my name is Roto. Uh, I have played uh, quite a few card games over the years. I think I got into Yu-Gi-Oh! proper around 2018. And since then, I've played Pokemon TCG. I've played Magic. Uh, I have not played Digimon, but I was interested in it for a little bit, just seeing how that went. 
Um, but yeah, aside from that, I'm just your average odd game player and uh, insane person. <laughs> I think I think I think you have to be a little bit crazy to to dive into a game like Yu-Gi-Oh. It's, it's with all the with all the complexity discussion that we've had kind of recently. Oh, yeah. It's it, it feels like it really feels like everybody is. <laughs> feel it really feels like everybody is kind of slowly realizing how crazy we all are for for learning this, this yeah. nonsense pile of a game. Uh, so speaking of nonsense pile of a game, uh, when you started playing, what was the what was the first what was the first deck that you ended up playing? What what kind of what what sucked you into learning how the the ins and outs of Yu-Gi-Oh go? Um, so twenty eighteen, for those of you who do remember was infamous for firewall dragon mm. uh so the first deck that i picked up because i thought it was extremely funny was firewall extra link black wings <laughs> okay what well, hold on how does i i've never actually heard of this how does this deck work it was just well i mean uh, the idea gofu was legal right uh, it wasn't just that Gofu... Well, Gofu was banned by this point. Oh, it's okay. like, it was like way before Firewall came in. Um, it was just that you had a bunch of guys that summoned themselves from hand, and you had Black Whirlwind to just get two cards from deck, and then there was a bunch of other stuff that you could do. Um, so the idea was that you would just Firewall Dragon to cycle everything on the field and try and make an extra link. <laughs> I love that. It is so funny because this that was like a period of, of time in the game when I was taking a break. Every time I hear of lists that people are, were playing, then I just I, I I can't help but laugh. Uh, I mean, th this was the the time when they, Konami was like, no, actually, we need to limit a assault core. Uh, that's the that's the problem card. <laughs> <laughs> to, to say it was like a dark time for the ban list is such an understatement. Yeah. Uh, like. There's not only the A assault core like limit, which was kind of ridiculous, but it's just mm. the fact that there was just so much ridiculous stuff you could do with Firewall Dragon, and they decided the correct hit for about a year was to put it to one so that you couldn't loop multiple of them to do ridiculous setup combos. It it was like genuinely the the old like oh what was it? I think it was the Earth um, Elemental Lord was oh, not once um... per turn or something. Uh, Grand Soil. Yeah, Grand Soil had an errata because of Firewall Dragon, because it was just not once per turn. So you could just eternally keep bouncing it to summon more Firewall Dragons. Oh, are you I thinking, think that's what is it, it the was. Elemental Lord, or are you, are you thinking of Grinder Golem? No, no, no it, this it, is the Elemental is... Lord. This was just, because Grinder Golem did it as well. Right. That, so... that was the thing, because Grinder Golem was doing it, Grinder Golem didn't get to do it in the TCG because we banned Grinder Golem before Security Dragon came yeah, out. But we... you could still bounce a couple of cards, still make a Firewall Dragon, but you couldn't do the full funny of, um, like, summon it, make Akashic, make uh, Security Dragon, make Firewall, Firewall, bounce it again, get, like, eight Link materials off a single card. So, um, But you a... could still do, like, ridiculous stuff with Firewall when it was, like, at three and everything was just untouched. Yeah, and and, uh, and 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 you decided to stick around after experiencing this. <laughs> uh, I I took like a three month break as soon as Firewall got banned because it was right. just Dark Warrior. Yeah, and then as soon as like the the salad structure came in and we got into like toss proper, mm. um, that's when I like really picked up the game. I picked up Lunar Light immediately after I think, 
and started doing uh, as I thought the the as I thought lock. Yeah, um, but I, I stuck with Luna like I think the entire year. What's so what's interesting about that is I, I feel like our timelines are actually pretty similar. Like I I was around the game for a lot longer, uh, just like as like a very as, as a casual player, and I played like like to put to mm. to to put into perspective, how like toss format ish was also when I started taking the game like seriously. Uh, I I was playing the same Dino Rabbit list for like eight years before <laughs> before toss format like i was i was i was i was playing one rabbit dino rabbit probably up until rabbit went to three i was i was not playing the dinosaur structure deck cards uh until like maybe two years after that structure deck came out like that's how that's how bad i was for like an unbelievably long time so toss was when i started like really playing more seriously so i feel like that yeah. that range of time, I feel like there's like a kind of a generation of us that kind of that grew up with competitive Yu-Gi-Oh and that was our landscape and that's kind of what we compare everything to. Uh, so yeah, I think that's why there's such a fondness for like toss format is because a lot of people got started with Salamangre and Orcust and like Lunalite. Maybe not so much Striker because that deck was actually fairly expensive still, but there was just yeah. a lot of cards where it was like. This deck is in, in like insanely cheap. You build the entire thing for like, uh, uh what, fifty ish, yeah. and it's like you have a fully playable competitive deck that you can just play. Yep, and Thunder uh, Thunder Dragon was kind of on the expensive side, I think, too. But anybody, if you yeah, had Thunder a bunch Dragon of the old like money, but... if you had a bunch of the old dragon stuff, then then you could probably build that deck uh, not too bad. Although Chaos Emperor, the prize card kind of made that a little tricky closer to the end of it uh so yeah. i guess I'll, I'll just go over just some like quick, quick Yu-Gi-Oh, uh kind of general questions so you, so we can get your thoughts out on 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 these ones uh what would you say is is probably your uh your favorite deck of all time like, what's the thing you always come back to uh oh god uh well probably fluffle I feel like that's the answer for a lot of the Necrofusion enthusiasts Discord people. It's like it is. Uh, we play, this, like we abandon this... the deck sometimes to to play other stuff, but we always just come back to yeah. to Penguin. Yeah, it it it's just this deck has like thirty different custom cards, and they all read like insane. But the deck is still somehow like. Like one step from playability eternally. Pretty much, yeah. We we have to move heaven and earth to get it to do anything, but it's it's fun trying to move mountains. So <laughs> it's yeah. kind of how I would describe building it. Okay, so so that's 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 the number one. Um, how about uh, what what would be your your like your least favorite deck? Is it, what's the stuff that you just just hate to play against? Um, if I'm turning up to an event and I don't want to play against something, it, like, right now, it's probably cash because of, like, just the cards surrounding cash and what cash is attempting to do. Um, like, right now, I think cash has changed a lot from how it was pre-ban list, mm -hmm. where it was just a rise, part, pass, plus a bunch of unfair staples. Right. Now it is just Fenrir pass with a bunch of unfair staples. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah. I, I, it is very much less. I don't like 
it's less that I don't like playing against specific decks. I don't like playing against a specific genre of card. Uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I wonder if we can guess what that is. Mm. Um, uh, I could, yeah. could it have? Uh, could it rhyme with uh, schmingering schmudgates? Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, it can rhyme, rhyme with schmudgates and would be good. Yeah, um, yeah that's fair. In, in general, that genre of card where you go, oh, I activate this card. I have now won the duel functionally. Mm-hmm. You know, Cash plays a lot of those. Lab plays a lot of those. Um, Sprite not so much. Sprite just kind of is able to brute force its way through everything. Yeah, um, the, really the closest Sprite gets is like summoning Thunder King Ryo or the end of Anubis off of Mannequin Cat. Like, we're not really... Oh, yeah. Like, but it does feel like... I, I definitely hear what you're saying where it feels like we have a lot of formats that are really, really close to being good. But then we just have a bunch of these crappy auto-win cards that make a lot of games miserable out of the sideboard. And even decks that don't naturally have a uh, necessarily have a great way to play them will do it. Like Sprite with the Mannequin Cat targets. Like they were summoning Tetsudo Eret Newman off of that for a long time. And like if that's how yep. deep down the rabbit hole we have to go for, for auto wins, I, I feel like I, I feel like something has to be adjusted at that point, right? <laughs> Yeah, it was particularly bad during like the uh, the the pre Verte ban, where every every deck that was any deck was setting up Dag the Verte, make DPE, pop the the scythe, and um, and that was just an instant win, and like it wouldn't even yeah. resolve a majority of the time because people were playing specific outs to it. But when you're dealing with stuff like that, and then you're dealing with like an Eldritch player that's just playing Cyber's card to do Dag the Verte. And then they also end on like three floodgates. It just yeah, you know, I I don't. I'm it, I'm gone. I'm, it, it, I'm done. The problem with yeah, the problem with the the available counterplay to those cards, right? So it, it it to me, it's always about reasonable counterplay. Like let's take uh, uh another example that both Cash and Lab are playing now. Actually, I think Cash wasn't doing this for a while, and a lot of players are now. Is uh is Eradicator Epidemic Virus. Uh, so yep. the the available counterplay to that card, if you are going second, there are uh, unless you want you're playing a fairy deck and you can play like purple light. There there are two cards: uh, Crossout Designator and uh, Cyphering Gear Epsilon. Crossout Designator sucks because not only is it like the crappiest one for one trade ever, you have to now play an additional specific target in your side deck, and you probably have to build your deck around Crossout if you want to play around EEV. And then the rest of your hand has to beat everything else. Kind of like your point with Verte Scythe, where you have to have both the out to this specific card that you can't really search, and also that. And then there's Cypher and Epsilon, which. Uh, is not necessarily reasonable to be playing in a side deck specifically for one normal trap card in exactly game two or game three. Uh, and it's a card that, against a lot of other matchups, doesn't really do anything uh, because either it's like floodgates that don't matter or uh, take there are a lot of decks even that can't really deal with the monster on board. Something like Branded, for example, playing Epsilon would be like really neg. <laughs> like you can't really do anything with the materials afterwards. So... When the available mm. counterplay sucks, and you can even extend that to the the floodgates, right? Like, uh, it goes and matches stuff. Like, a lot of decks don't have good in engine outs to these cards, and it sucks that 
you end up in a situation where the game is just kind of over when they get flipped if there's no like twin twisters in the hand yeah yeah i i will say i will say this is the exact same with Troll on Lockbird, except people defend that card because, oh, but Drytron exists and Inferno. Does Inferno add? Like, not that much. But it, it, it's, it's you point to the the worst case example with Droll, and people are just like, yeah, well, that worst case example exists, so it's fine. Uh, but it, it's still the same thing of the available counterplay sucks, especially because now the available counterplay is a limited card, a limited yeah. card, a semi limited card. And cross out designator. Yeah, it's it, and the thing too is, uh, especially with gamma, like uh, I, I like gamma is a ridiculous card. Like uh, the value that you can get off of a, a well timed gamma is just truly ridiculous. Going first or second, uh, the problem is a gamma was necessary to counter stuff like droll or dimension shifter to as as like a reasonable like amount of counterplay. Uh, the problem is they didn't ban the cards that Gamma was necessary to counter uh, at the time that they limited Gamma. So you end up in this crappy situation where Dimension Shifter is now kind of ruling the format, even though Cash is less represented than it was at the height of its popularity. So... Well, you, yeah, I, I don't even know that's the, the, the case. It's, it's definitely like ruling the format, but it's not... Like, people aren't playing it, but it still rules the format because... The top three decks are all decks that can play either into Shifter or into uh, like an Arise Heart. Um, if your deck can like play into Macrocosmos, it's already going to automatically be good. And even the stuff that's like on the fringe still has ways to play into that. So if your deck just doesn't have a way to play into Macrocosmos, you just kind of lose. And it's a real slap in the face when in the middle of like Tillament format, the answer was. We'll put macro and die fighters. Yeah, we're gonna... because the moment we've left, we leave that format. Suddenly, these cards are now going to be an annoying and a problem. Um, similar to this format, where I've decided that I am on a crusade against dimension shifter <laughs> because it's not a problem <laughs> now, but it will just forever be a problem. It's it. The problem is shifters in the rarity collection, so we're probably not getting it banned. Uh, this is a this is a complete yep. uh, side note, but Roto and I did actually get the chance to meet at uh, YCS London a couple months back, um, so that was a ton of fun. And uh, I'm going to put it on camera here. Uh, Roto did send uh, did did send me back with a with a copy of Rotom. Uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so I've got the I've got the I, I, I got the I Rotom on screen here. A, yeah, I gave a bunch of Rotoms out. It was really really funny. Um... I think Scarlon got one, MBT got one, and I was like a little absolute goblin running away from him. Because <laughs> I, just gave him one and left. Um, I got one delivered to Fafa, and I immediately got a message back wait, going, wait, Rotom's a Pokemon. <laughs> you tell me Fafa didn't know what Rotom was? That's crazy. I... <laughs> Yeah, I think. Hang on, I'll, I'll send you this after the call. But I, I have screenshots of me going like, I, I didn't realize Rotom was a Pokemon, and showing the entire Rotom collection that I have. That is that that is incredible. Uh, <laughs> that, that is so funny. Okay, uh, so speaking of uh, of Rotom, the the other game that you uh, that you play pretty heavily is is the Pokemon TCG. Uh, I have yep. like learned the rules of that game. 
from like having it from like playing it super casually with my brothers as a kid but it, it is a game that i have not really dived into that much like i see tatsum has been playing it a lot uh two of my good friends uh caitlin and luna play the pokemon tcg uh but uh i i have almost no i i have very little background on on kind of the style of, of game and where it's at Yu-Gi-Oh is really the only TCG I've ever given a deep dive into so what 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 got you into the Pokemon TCG and, and how is it uh, how is it different from Yu-Gi-Oh uh, I got into the Pokemon TCG this one's pretty easy because it was just like I had a friend that played and it was on a Monday when I was off so I was just like yeah sure it's like somewhere I can go and then uh, as I changed and my life kind of changed i wasn't able to make mondays anymore and i kind of fell out for a bit and then i've recently dived back in because of uh, pokemon tcg live mm. um despite how terrible that simulator is um but like pokemon's a lot lot different because um how, how do i put this pokemon seems like it would be a game where it's a lot less consistent com considering you have six cards from your deck that are just completely removed um, from the game until you like start doing things. But it is more consistent than Yu-Gi-Oh! And that's really saying something. Um, there's just so many cards in the game where it's like, oh, well, I can discard two cards and then add any Pokemon. And that Pokemon then fetches a supporter. And then I use my supporter. I drop my hand and I draw seven cards and we just go again. Um, I think the one of the best decks in the format right now uh, which is Gardevoir EX, has four copies of Curlia, and the Curlia just reads, discard a card, draw two. Uh, not hard ones per turn or anything. Um, and then you just put a Gardevoir on top of it, and you just go, cool, I've discarded a bunch of energy, I can now forward, Im imagine like energy is like lands from magic, yeah. you need them to attack. Mm -hmm. So you just discard all this energy with Curlia, cycle through your entire deck, and then use Gardevoir to smack it all on top of a Gardevoir and just hit for big damage. Um, because in, in reality, all decks just hit for big damage, but the way that they set up that big damage is different. Right. Okay. So, I mean, the, the I mean, there's obviously, there's the, I think the example most people may have run into if they've looked into it is the, the I, I think it's Bill or, or Professor Oak or something from like base set or like a really old set that just says draw seven. And it's like, <laughs> you read those cards and you think that they're crazy, but I know Pokemon, it's like, you can only play one supporter per turn and then, uh, yeah. any of the other trainer cards are just so, like whatever you want. Yeah. So around the black and white era, there was a massive rule change where they reformatted the entire card because everything was like a mess. Mm -hmm. Um, so they reformatted everything. So it's just, you have supporters which are your hard once you get one of these per turn unless you're going first in which case you get none of them um and then you have all of your item cards which you can just play as many of those as you want you have uh your pokemon tools which are now their own separate thing as well as um yeah it's tool supporters items uh and that's basically the three main categories of cards but then you've also got pokemon and those pokemon can have abilities and the abilities can be like Pokemon take 20 less damage to search your deck for a supporter and then like or look at the top three, attach any energy, your turn ends. Um, I, th I think the funniest one to bring up is uh, like 
whenever you bring out the Pokemon TCG is to bring out the ban list. Because it's it's the the ban list for expanded, which is their non-rotating format, is the most ridiculous thing. Because you read some of these cards and it's like, how was that printed or why is that good? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I should read through that sometime actually. That would be a funny idea. I uh it it is it is peak comedy. You have stuff where it's like Chip Chip Ice Axe, where it is a one-time use goddess skulls oracle. Uh and that card's banned. And you have, uh, what is it, Shaman EX, where it's just, when you play this, draw until you have six. It's not hard once, so you can keep bouncing it and playing it and cycle through your entire deck multiple times. Um, <laughs> Disgusting. Or, uh, oh, yeah, the fun the funny one is that two, two different unknowns are banned because they were both used for FTKs. Very, very silly. Uh, how do you... Hold on. Okay. How do you FTK in... Uh, this is a, maybe a side tangent. How do you FTK in Pokemon? Because I know the, the, there's the win condition, for those who don't know, there are there are prize cards. And you get prize cards for... You get your prize cards back, like you lay six out at the beginning of a match. And you get... Um, uh, when you knock out an opponent's uh, Pokemon, you get one of your prize cards. Uh, and then sometimes there are some, like, I think EX Pokemon or Level X Pokemon, where you get two or three prize cards for, for knocking those out. Uh, yeah. How does one FTK? Are there cards that, like, just let you take prize cards? Or, it's like, set up so for So, specifically knockouts? these two unknown. Specifically these two unknown. Read. If you do thing, may use this ability, and if you do, you win the game. Uh, uh, unknown Hand I, I, I says, if okay. you have... Unknown Hand says, if you have 35 or more cards in your hand, you win the game. Uh, and Unknown Why Damage you... says, if you have... <laughs> it, just... Unknown Damage says, if you if there is 66 or more damage counters on your bench Pokemon, you win the game. I... <sighs> Why would you... <laughs> Why would you ever print a card that says that? Because, like, at some point, you have to... You print that, and then you're like, no, 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 it's fine. Nobody's ever actually going to be able to do this. It's kind of like... uh, It's like Cannon Soldier, right? Where where, where Konami prints Cannon Soldier way back in, in, in ancient times and is like, surely nobody can use this to win the game in one turn. And then you and then magical scientist happens, and they're like, ah, oops, <laughs> sorry guys. I, I imagine that's what happened with the unknowns, where other stuff just eventually was was built up so that you could abuse them. Nope, these were printed and immediately broken. Oh, um, oh okay, that, the, that that gives me a lot of faith. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no, like let let me just tell you now, uh, hot like I think seventy percent of the Pokemon TCG ban list is banned because there was one deck that went around constantly and just hand looped you for seven turn one. I love that. That That's super like, fun. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's silly. Okay, so with the ban list, uh, this probably is a good segue. So you mentioned uh, there's the... I don't remember what you mentioned it was called, but it's the it's the not rotating format. So Yu-Gi-Oh! Only very... Expanded, yeah. Expanded, okay, yeah. So Yu-Gi-Oh! Is a, is a game that has only very recently been just like dipping its very, very tiny tippy toes into having different formats. Like, we just had the big Edison event, but really the Edison event is, like, not even really an alternative format. It's more of a historical one. So it's, it's the same advanced format, just set in a different time period. 
But uh, po so Pokemon is, is a game that has rotation, and we can get into rotation discussion afterwards. But what what if, does because do, I've only ever really my exposure to it super limited. I've only ever really seen the one main rotation format being played. Does Pokemon is Pokemon like Magic where it has all these formats, or is it just like kind of a couple bigger ones? Like what's the what's the setup there? Uh, so realistically, you have exactly standard where people will only play standard a majority of the time yeah. there is like a decent sized expanded community but it's nowhere near the size of like standard right. because standard is so pushed on uh pokemon tcg live on pokemon tcg online when that was around it was massively pushed on there yeah um like most events are just playing standard uh, so the expanded community is like very niche in comparison to just everyone playing the regular format but it's, right. and it's still like a thing you can kind of do even though tcg live has kind of decided that no we don't want to do rotation or we don't want to do expanded now um and aside from that you have like the only other official format is unlimited and nobody plays it because it, it just says every card is legal right it's, um, I mean, it's kind of like traditional format in, in, where it's like it's always on the the forbidden and limited list but nobody actually like does anything with it because it's just awful but <laughs> yeah yeah, it, it it is like the because you get to play all of the cards from nineteen ninety whatever where they just read draw three right. and they're all treated as item cards. Oh, um, that's I love that yeah. they bake into the rules. Actually, we're going to make it worse. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's very funny. So that actually makes. Um, for an obviously they're they're very different games, but that actually makes for an interesting comparison. So one debate that is happening, partially spurred on by MBT series, but also spurred on by just kind of the the situation in Yu-Gi-Oh right now in general, is is a debate about rotation. So it's it's it, it is cool that you mentioned that Pokemon like has other formats, but really only has the one format, which which makes it an interesting parallel to Yu-Gi-Oh! where Yu-Gi-Oh! is a non-rotating game, but it also has the same issue where it's only got the one format. So, do you... I guess, what do you think about the possibility of rotation Yu-Gi-Oh! from your experience as somebody who's, who's dealt with it in Pokemon? Is it something that you think could work? Is it something that you think you'd rather Yu-Gi-Oh! go the magic route, or would you rather they go the Pokemon route and just have the one format with with rotation? Uh, I don't know if you've it, it sounded like before we started that you you had some thoughts about this. Yeah, uh, I don't like rotation. Uh, as someone who has played Pokemon like extensively, rotation just doesn't work for what a lot of people think that it does. Where it's like, oh, it's this solution where you put it into the game and it makes the card pool refresh, and so you get fresher experiences and you get like less power creep it does not work that way um you get like uh i think the best one to point out is um there was a deck that came out in fusion strike called mew vmax uh where it would just like you put a, a guy on your like front you draw six cards a turn uh like four times a turn yeah. you would like punch for like a massive amount of damage and then you could boost it up so you could just hit everything um it was like a really good deck so their solution uh was to instead of banning it they just let it exist and then print drapion ex 
which basically reads if your opponent is playing mu v max and they cannot out this card they lose um <laughs> and it's just like yeah it, it so it's a dark type that has a lower attack cost if your opponent has uh fusion strike pokemon or single strike or uh rapid strike i yep. think that's the text uh, and then it does 190 but because it's a dark type it's doubled against specifically mew so it's able to hit the mu v max in one go which then gives up three prizes because the the v max is specifically give up like three um so they just print answers to uh specific cards where they like become a problem oh we'll just print an answer to it i hope you're playing love playing this format for three months <laughs> uh, i think in the time that i played pokemon tcg they banned a total of like six cards mm -hmm. um because they was just like oh this card is like obviously ridiculous or this card is like obviously just does not work um hmm. i think the, the the best one was like blaine's quiz where it was like oh yeah this doesn't work at events because if you have different language cards your opponent have to try and guess what card that is and they can't if they don't know the language um so it th there's stuff like that and then there's just stuff like oh well we'll just print bigger and better cards like uh you had EXs where it was just like capital E, capital X, and it's like, oh, well, these are two prizes, but they've got 180 health and they do damage. And then you've got GXs where it's like, oh, these have got to like 250 health and they do a lot of damage. And then you have like this constant escalating values of health and what they do and all this and that. Uh, and it just gets out of hand really quickly. Yeah. Um, it, it just in general just doesn't work i i think what people when people ask for rotation you go i don't think people want that especially because uh mbt from what i recall played modern and which is the non-rotating format um not standard like standard just kind of sucks less because of like oh well my cards will rotate once every two or now three years uh and more because oh well this doesn't solve the problem of a power creep uh magic has had to ban more cards in recent years than ever before as well um it, it just doesn't fix cards being way too powerful and like having massive power creep it just it either accelerates that timeline because you need to print answers because or print bigger and better things because everything sticks around for enough time where it's like relevant but not enough time where you have to care about it um and, and realistically like i think what mbt is doing is interesting but i think ultimately it, it's just better that we just get more battle packs just just give us an, an official draft format and i think most people would probably be satisfied with that right yeah it's it is it is kind of wonky so i think It's tough because I, I kind of I, I went back and forth with with Siberian Rabbit about about some rotation stuff as well. I think probably mm. in an ideal universe where designers don't make like absurd mistakes, that rotation might be ideal. Uh, just because like do you can do something like Magic where there's multiple formats that that gets balanced around. So if there's one format that sucks, you can always bounce around to a different one. Uh, whereas uh, I, I definitely take your point that 
as someone who's not so experienced with the game, Pokemon hasn't really been able to avoid the power creep problem, despite being a rotation game almost exclusively, uh, where stuff still ends up get, having more HP, attacks do more damage, cards do more things. Like, I think, I think increasing complexity is something that is very difficult to avoid, even in a rotation game, without just printing the same cards over and over again nonstop. Like, in order to keep existing players engaged, I feel like you do have to introduce that complexity. Yu-Gi-Oh, however, has had the problem where there's way too much complexity. Like, I feel like that's something Pokemon has done well, where card effects are not, like, insanely confusing to parse. And and uh, a lot of the mechanics, like like the status conditions and stuff, are, are stuff that already exists in the game franchises. So there's not as much of a learning curve for people who are experienced with the franchise. Whereas with Yu-Gi-Oh!, watching the show or playing the games really just does not do a service to what the game is. <laughs> I can't. Uh, somebody is like I, it. I, I wish I could say that was true, but then you have like ridiculous stuff where it's like, um, uh, I think, I think Lugia is the, the best example of this. Lugia V-Star, you'll notice the Pokemon likes to make a, a problem for itself by printing cards that reference specific mechanics and then rotating out those mechanics so that you have other oh. cards that come in and then abuse those tools. The best example was Bridget, which says uh, you can put either a Pokemon EX on your bench or three Pokemon that aren't EXs. And then they just printed GXs. And because they're not EXs, they uh, you get to put three of them on your bench. It was very funny um, That's, for like uh... the longest time. <laughs> that, see, that okay, so that just feels to me like a like a design mistake. Like, I don't know if that's necessary. I mean, I guess it's kind of a flaw in rotation, but you'd think you'd be like, okay, we can't introduce this thing until, we ro until like, X cards are rotated out so we don't reference stuff. But then it's hard because it's like, then after, like, a gap in time, people might notice, like, hey, we're not printing support for this, like, mechanic, so that means it's probably going to be completely done soon. Maybe I'm going to start unloading stuff. I like, guess kind of... You put the mark. Not I'm not really too much of a market guy, but you put like you put the market for cards in in kind of a weird situation. Though, so the one thing I do know uh, is that Pokemon is like just significantly cheaper to play uh, to to pick up competitive decks in in general. I know rotation is a thing where you have to like be constantly picking up new stuff, but like getting an actual deck is cheaper. So what do you do you think? either system is better do you think there could be improvements from from Yu-Gi-Oh or Pokemon on on the pricing front uh I'm I'm gonna say that while Yu-Gi-Oh does have its problems in terms of pricing Pokemon is not all smiles and sparkles as it seems to be Tatsim's been on like a, a massive one about this um like recently because uh the two best decks in the format are God of War and Lost Box God of War is like forty dollars Lost Box is like $60. Those decks are insanely cheap. Because it is like 60 commons, uh, these decks are incredibly low rarity and contain like no high rarity generic cards. Um, if anyone played during uh, this early Sun and Moon era, there was a card called Tapu Lele GX, which was effectively mandatory because it was a good attacker and it had an insane ability and could be played in everything. So because of those three factors, 
it for the normal rarity version bear in mind it had three rarities you had the normal rarity you had the full art and you had the rainbow rare um this card was 50 dollars for the normal rarity and you needed anywhere from between two and four for like a year it was insanely expensive to play it was quite literally more expensive than Yu-Gi-Oh at points um because of just the sheer amount of stuff that you needed where it was like oh well you need tapu lele and then you need uh like zoroarks and buzzwalls and they're all like uh five to ten dollars a pop um so it's like pokemon isn't always the cheapest game it can sometimes be quite expensive not not to downplay you you're having room of we printed forbidden droplet at secret rare have fun uh, or yeah, we printed then... barone in a side set at ultra have fun yeah. Uh, these cards are now mandatory for like until they get reprinted. With with, with um, droplet, but it it's like, definitely uh, an issue. Yeah, with droplet they were like, "Hey, we reprinted the card, but also we shorted it." As secret, and it's also a secret rare. Oh, again. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that. I hate that stuff. Like, like it, it just feels so unnecessary. Like we could have like even. So it sounds like even with with Pokemon, even though it's not all sunshine and rainbows, I feel like the ceiling is still usually lower, and 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 it, we're, the the floor is usually lower for like some stuff. Like Yu-Gi-Oh, for example, like eventually all decks are cheap, right? That so yeah. that's something that Yu-Gi-Oh is 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 actually reasonably good at compared to other games, is that eventually the deck cores are are not expensive there are maybe like a couple of exceptions madolce is like perennially expensive for no reason uh but um yeah. but most of the time decks that fall out are end up not being expensive forever whereas at pokemon maybe uh while something is good in a a rotation it's just going to be expensive until it gets rotated out um I I mean, I I mean the thing with expanded is that it is just standard too. It's just standard with the old cards usually. There's a couple of exceptions like uh, like Dragonite being legal and like really good because double dragon energy exists and a whole bunch of other mm-hmm. like situational stuff exists. But generally, like Pokemon just has standard and standard too. Got it. All right, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna hit you with one with, with one last big question. Uh, before we before we hit the outro here, because it, it sounds like as someone oh, who's experienced with with both games, uh, can actually just crapped out there for a moment. Oh, all good. Still oh. bad. Uh, I can still hear you. Can okay. you can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, sick. Uh, I, I'm gonna hit you with one last uh, kind of big big question surrounding the the two games. Now that we've had the kind of the rotation discussion, not all sunshine and rainbows. So. Um, yep. it, uh, you have now been put in a very funny position. Uh, you've bought, uh, you, you've inherited a, a shocking amount of money, uh, and you've used some of it to end up I- I- as a, uh, as a member of the board on, on both, uh, uh, a Nintendo Game Freak board, uh, and, and the Konami board. Uh, and you, you can make, uh, you can make one change. Hey, to... um, hang on, hang on, that again. Oh, okay. All good. What was the what was the last thing you caught from me? Uh, you've inherited a bunch of money. Okay, I'll I'll start from there then. Okay, so, uh, you've you you've you've inherited a bunch of a bunch of money for for no reason, uh, and you've bought your way onto the boards of uh Game Freak Nintendo and and Konami, and you can make, but but for some reason you're only there for like two days. Who cares? 
Uh, basically, I, I've done the whole preamble. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, you can make one like major change to Pokemon and one major change to Yu-Gi-Oh. If you have... So what what do you think would be the biggest thing that, that both games could change that would improve their situation? I mean, for, for Pokemon TCG, like, the game realistically isn't going to change without, like, long-term, like, removing the kind of incentive for people to just buy, like, a bunch of product and then, like, for collection purposes. Like, that's always going to exist and that's always going to make the money and it's like, who cares? The one thing that I would pump money into is, like, from Nintendo standpoint, is TCG Live because that is the number one thing that I think that's, like about the pokemon experience if you want to pick up cards and play in real life go ahead but your best simulator is the worst simulator on the market it, it, it by far it is horrifically bad it is like terrible yeah um, i've heard people say that like, like even even with all the complaints about uh, master duel and there are many like very good and legitimate ones <sighs> maxi um, the, um, the, 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 I, I've heard a lot of people be like, especially I've seen Chaotic Meatball on Twitter be like, we have no, y'all have no idea how good you have it because TCG Live is just so bad. Uh, and there was the bit going around where like, there were some game breaking bugs that were screwing up the meta. So people had to build a deck to counter the bugs. Uh, I don't know. Is that like, would you say that's a fair summary of, of how bad live is? So, Pokemon TCG Live is like if you took everything bad about Master Duel and everything bad about Duel Links and everything bad about Arena and you combine them all together. <laughs> uh, it's got buggy set releases, so you will have sets that will come out and then you will have a laundry list of cards that get banned because there are significant game-breaking bugs with them. <laughs> you'll log in, you'll do your dailies, you'll get enough for a sixth of one pack and then you will log out until the next season hits. Uh, you are in order to get enough gems to buy the battle pass. You have to uh, like grind dailies eternally uh, because they give you different currencies because they have like five different currencies in that game, and they barely give you anything of anything. Um, you are to make your the deck that you want. You are expected to buy codes. That is it. Like, everyone says that the code system is fun. Uh, it is not. It is a pain putting in codes. It is a pain getting a hold of codes. It is a pain uh, just, like, dealing with the whole code system. Even now they've added crafting to the game, if you want to craft a card, you need credits. And to get credits, you get, like, you basically pull dupes. You cannot dismantle cards for credits. If you don't like... If you craft something and don't like it, it's not like muscle where you can just uncraft it and get some of the credits back. You just can't uncraft it. So it's you... just hope that you pull more of that card. <laughs> that's it, 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 it's that's rough. And then not only that, but also the main ladder is standard. So the competitive ladder that you actually earn rewards from is standard and nothing else. And then the expanded ladder is expanded, except it's missing half the card pool because it doesn't include X and Y or black and white cards. Um... It seems like it, a good game. It's just, it's just bad. <laughs> Con considering as well how insane Master Duel has been for on onboarding players, ignoring like 
the format because the format will eventually change even if maxi is not going to go away even if this and that right master was a case of bad format good simulator if you want to yes. introduce people to Yu-Gi-Oh and like more Yu-Gi-Oh it's at a point now where the game will show you most of the stuff you need and then like ladder will show you everything else and then you can take the basic knowledge and then bring it over to the tcg um whereas like you can't bring everything right yeah that makes sense so uh you think is a good effect um but like tcg live has none of that it has no player onboarding process crazy (laughs) <laughs> i'm i'm i might have to yeah. lay off a master duel a little bit uh hearing hearing that is is yeah. truly horrifying uh so then i guess that leaves uh the the subject of the podcast then Yu-Gi-Oh. uh if you if you could give it one major change uh, do you have any ideas um in terms of major changes to like the tcg i think as, aside from the long-term stuff of you just take all of the floodgates and you take them behind a shed and you kill all of them. Um, and you kill all of the, the instant win buttons. Because that's not realistic. It's just going to take either an infinite number of Like, Konami's not going to do it. Mm-hmm. The one thing is just make a draft set. Make draft an actual thing again. Because people enjoy draft. And well, draft draft in general is just a good experience. You can put like all rarity cards. Do do the rarity collection thing where you put like uh, the Japanese secret rares or the Japanese collectors in packs, and then just like say, hey, here's a draft set that you can play with your friends. And we're also doing this at events, so if you want to tag along and like, yeah, just just make draft like an official thing. And uh, I think make make draft the thing and make it like rewarding, and then make people able to access draft outside of events and i think that genuinely would be one of the things that like shoots Yu-Gi-Oh into like insane tier popularity it, it would be a good way to do like alt formats on top of being able to sell product because yeah. like i i like i've, yeah. I've seen people talk about stuff like an edison booster or like an edison set and i think that would be awesome but something like a draft format i think it gives you more openness to uh, like kind of modern reprints, you can combine a lot of stuff uh, into those sets where you can do like high-powered staple reprints and rarity upgrades and like reprints of old cards that need them. Uh, so I definitely agree. I think it would be cool to see something like Battle Pack where it's designed for draft, but it also has the capacity to, to serve as a reprint set. Um, that's a super great point. All right. Well, uh, I think that is going to... Uh, do it for this. So I'm going to read out the patron names uh, and uh, be prepared because some of these will not make sense to you and some of them are, are just ridiculous on their face. So massive thank you to our patrons. Uh, a huge shout out to Bring Red Reboot Back to Three. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> Kane Martin. Zypheris. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Big Stinky. Uh, Zypheris, in case I missed you. Uh, Broken Boy 13, uh, Ding Dong's Hostess of the Yang Zing. Uh, <laughs> to, host, Hostess is a um, is a brand of uh, kind of like. Come on, this cake. Oh, uh, are you? Uh, 
Or, I heard Big Stinky, and then the connection just uh, I love. Okay, all right. So we got Big Stinky, uh, Broken Boy thirteen, uh, Ding Dongs, hostess of the Yangzing, uh, which is a uh, hostess is an American uh, cake like kind of brand that do like snacks and stuff. And there's a snack called Ding Dongs. So when Denglong came off the list, we got Ding Dongs. Uh, Earth Machine best deck. Has anyone actually read Toy Vendor? Uh, HZH Cyber. Uh, I used to play Rogue, but then my mom got a job. Uh, is Canada Nickelback? John Leal, Mountain Man. Oatmeal Spaghetti, Owen Alvarado. Pistol RX, Silver Hope. Uh, Sunny stole my phone and took pictures with a Mo Yi body pillow. Uh, there is one rule and only one. Always read Misk. Understanding and reading are two different things. Upstart Goblin D's Nuts, Virtually Savior's World, Zach M, Aaron Gardner, Alexander Chan, Asami, Ashless Chaps, Atsuyo, Simp of the Silver Castle, uh, Blackwing Silverwind the Ascendant is the best floodgate. Uh, <laughs> this person has had this name for such a long time, and I just, I, I'm slowly being converted. Maybe it is the best floodgate. Uh, box wine, co-link D's nuts. Come on and get your game on. Duty booty, dragon maidenless behavior. I'm about to wreak a glamour tribute for cost D's plant nuts in your mouth. Neshi, old man red, pin code one four three. Sakitama, Aratama, Nikitama, Cam, Obama, and slaking it up. Uh, thank you all very much for your support of the podcast. Uh, Roto is letting me know that Roto cannot hear me uh, because Discord is I, ridiculous. I am back. Oh, Roto is back. back. This this app, I swear, mi million dollar company cannot cannot make stable connections somehow. True, that's fair. Uh, so I guess you missed most of the patron names, but but that's okay. Uh, I'll give you the funniest ones. Um, we got uh, a Ding Dong's hostess of the Yangzing. Uh, <laughs> has anyone actually read Toy Vendor? Uh, I used to play Rogue, but then my mom got a job. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, Sunny stole my phone and took pictures with a Moyi body pillow. Uh, and then we've got uh, Blackwing Silverwind the Ascendant is the best floodgate. Is probably one of the best ones we've had. Uh, and then there's uh, Sakitama, Aratama, Nikitama, Cam, Obama. And uh, Dragon Maidenless Behavior. Uh, those are those are probably some of the funniest ones we got right now. Uh, good. <laughs> All right. Well, Roto, uh, thank you very much for, for coming on to this episode of the podcast. Uh, is there anything else you would like to say to the people before we sign off? Uh, uh no i think uh from everyone at the studio fluffle octopus good night <laughs> it, it, it is a good night for uh for for fluffle octopus fans and uh you know actually it, it's interesting uh i uh, i feel uh a sense of enlightenment uh after hearing the the name fluffle octopus and uh for those of you not watching the video i have a copy of apple of enlightenment here and I think that's the worst pun I've done on this show. So, uh, <laughs> thanks again to Roto for hopping on. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to follow us on uh, Spotify or subscribe on YouTube. And uh, yeah, have a great night, everybody.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian-developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.